truly, truly incredible. Um, I want to start by reading a simple passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. We're going to revisit this um, a little bit later on in the message, but I just want to kind of set it uh, out there right now. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray? God, I thank you for the moments that we have together. I thank you for the next 30 minutes and the way that you speak. Jesus, your word is powerful. Lord, it's living and active, and it has ability to speak right to our situation. And so, Lord, we all come from different places and different situations. And God, we have different mindsets walking into this space. And I thank you that you and your word, you can pierce through all of that. And God, you can light up our hearts and open up our eyes, Jesus, to see something brand new. And that's what we're asking for. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So the title of my message is, I'm an overcomer, but sometimes I'm overcome. I mean, I am an overcomer. I have been listening to all three no, in fact, all four overcomer messages. God's been doing something in my life. The last four weeks have been incredible. And I've been hearing about how, and I even stood to my feet the last three or four weeks, and we recited this epic thing about how I am a child of God, and everything he says I have, I have. Everything he says I am, I am. And so I'm an overcomer. But what do you do when sometimes as an overcomer, you're overcome. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up here, so um, I grew up surfing and doing non-outdoor um, activities. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a fisher. I'm not a builder, uh, not a farmer. I did sports and surfing. Uh, and consequently, uh, that's the reason why I'm not all that helpful around the house. Uh, I don't, I'm not the fixer. I'm not uh, the guy that you're going to call to help, you know, because I, you have, you know, a leak under the sink. I will come and cheer you on <laughs> and encourage you to invest some money into somebody that knows what they're doing. But when I was in Bible college in the Northwest, uh, I had a summer job. And the summer job was to work for a rich guy uh, and do anything he asked me to do. Uh, around his house. And so uh, I literally got there every single day throughout the summer and I would basically do anything. And I learned how to do some basic things like mow the lawn and, you know, head, you know, uh, trim the hedge and, you know, weed whack and, you know, some basic things, which I appreciate learning. And that summer I learned it. We painted a house during that time. And uh, there was about the end of the summer, um, the, the, the time came where uh, there wasn't a lot to do around the house. And the owner, like I said, he was pretty wealthy and he had a nice big house and it overlooked the Puget Sound. And uh, there was no houses between him and the Puget Sound, but it, it was probably like a quarter of a mile, maybe more. And it was all forest because it's the Northwest. It was all forest between him and the Puget Sound and his house kind of sat up. And so I remember this morning he walked out and he, he was with me, he was with his coffee and he was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was working with his son as well. We're both 19 years old. And he looks out onto the landscape and he sees this one tree. I've told this story before, so some of you know where I'm going. 
So he saw this one tree that was sort of like taller than the rest in the distance. And I don't know how far away it was, but it was pretty far away. And it was a, you know, kind of an evergreen. And it was sort of in his mind, blocking his view at some level to see the Puget Sound. And, you know, he just thought, you know what, guys? Um, here's, here's your project today. I need you to go cut that tree down. Now, this was not his property. It was like the, you know, Olympic forest or whatever. But I wasn't old enough to know that this is like a huge no-no. You don't just randomly go and cut large trees down, especially not in the Northwest. So anyways, my friend and my buddy and I were like, all right, we got this. How hard can it be? So he gives us two chainsaws and we start hiking down into this forest looking for this one tree that was blocking his view from seeing the Puget Sound. So we finally get there and you know, here's the thing. From the, from the deck, it looked like a Christmas tree. Like it looked relatively small. And so we had a lot of confidence going into this thing that we're going to make this happen. We're going to get there and it's going to be like a, you know, smaller tree. And we're just, we got two chainsaws. We're going to hack this thing down and, you know, problem solved. So we get there. And first of all, it was like a ravine. So this tree was like on the, on the bank of a ravine. So it wasn't flat. And the tree was like 100 feet tall. I mean, the, the, the trunk was much bigger than I could put my arms around. It was a massive tree that looked small from like a mile away. But once you got up there, I mean, literally, like I said, it was sitting in a ravine. So, I mean, it was like, so we're looking up and we're just like, this is crazy. But when you're 19, you think you're invincible. How hard can it be? We have two chainsaws. Let's cut this thing down, Right. So we start going after it and we're cutting and I'm trying to do the wedge like you're supposed to, you know, and we're cutting this way and this way. And then the guy in the back, he's cutting on the back side of this tree, right? Because in theory, you cut this side and you cut this way in the wedge and then the tree falls like this. Well, we get into this thing and we're cutting it. And all of a sudden we're cutting on this side and the tree, instead of falling this way, the tree goes and pinches his chainsaw in the tree. Now at this point, instead of a trunk this big, it's like this small now on the inside. That's what it's hanging on. And we could feel the tree like going like this. And we're just like, oh my gosh. So we call this guy that I know of, uh, his buddy of mine, he's like Paul Bunyan. He comes out there with his, with his chainsaw and he takes one look at it and he goes, you guys are idiots. This is so dangerous. Like, he's like, I'm not going to get anywhere near this situation because this thing can go bad so many ways and we could literally, you know, possibly die from this. So he's like, we're done. And so just then, the uh, ranger pulls up. And this is the part of the story I normally leave out because, because, the ranger pulls up and he goes, because he heard the chainsaws, and he goes, what are you guys doing? And he takes one look at it and he's like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> so he goes, you know that this is a crime, right? Like this, is, this is private, you know, this is uh, you go land owned by the government and you're cutting down a massive evergreen tree. So he breaks out his deal and he goes, I'm going to give you guys a citation and you just need to know that this may turn into... Um, uh, a um, misdemeanor. And he goes, there's going to be a big fine for this. 
and you actually could potentially go to jail. Now, I realize that he was trying to scare us, but I think probably the letter of the law is it probably could be that severe. And at the time, in my little 19-year-old mind, I was freaking out. I'm like, we're going to jail, you know? And, uh, and we get back to the house, and uh, I got the citation, and it, all it said was that basically we're going to be contacting you about what we're going to do with this situation. And I'm going to leave it there. That's what Amber did last week, and it was fantastic. Leaves everyone on a cliffhanger. What do you do when you are rolling down the road and you've got all the power you need and then you hit a snag on the inside? I wrote this. Today I want to talk to you about cultivating the overcomer, cult, talk to you about the overcomer that doesn't always overcome. What do you do with that conflict? What do you do with that tension on the inside that every single one of us carry? Um, I want to read a story to you, and this is going to be the story that we unpack today, um, and it's the story of Jacob, and it's out of Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to welcome you to open up your book, your Bible, or your tablet, uh, and read along because it was just, it's just too much of a story for me to put up on the screen. So Genesis chapter 32, if you just want to listen, that's cool too. It's a really cool story, and we're going to start out in verse 7, and it goes like this. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, the God, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and to your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have two camps. He's saying, I have so much that you've given me, Lord. And then he says this in verse 11, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau for I am afraid and he will come and attack me and also the mothers and their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and I will make you your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So he spent the night there and from there and from what he had, he selected a gift for Esau. And this is the gift. Check out how blessed, check out how blessed Esau is. Check out all the things. 200 female goats, that's a lot of goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 female camels, that's a lot of camels, I feel like this is Aladdin, you know, with the, uh, the genie, and their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. This was his gift to Esau. That wasn't even everything he had. That was just the gift he was given to Esau. Verse 17, he instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do all these belong to and where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. And they are a gift 
sent to my Lord Esau. And he is coming behind us. And he says in verse 20, and be sure to say this. So you can tell the tension here. You can tell the angst. Be sure to say your servant Jacob's coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify Esau with these gifts. I am sending him. And then later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. Verse 24. And Jacob was alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What an incredible story. And, and, and listen, at at any level that you look at this story, it's very confusing. I mean, uh, first of all, he wrestled with an angel. Uh, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how, you know, it's just kind of a, a, a strange dynamic. But, but there's another thing about this story that struck me. And it's that you look at Jacob's life and how blessed he is. You look at all of the things he has. You look at the ways that he's describing, God, you've blessed me. He said, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy of the blessing that you have bestowed upon me. And yet we see him wrestling with an angel for a blessing. There's a tension. We see him so blessed and so confident, and yet we see him tormented with fear about what Esau, his brother, will do for him. So on one hand, he's an overcomer, and he's rocking. And on the other hand, he is deeply overcome on two levels. He's overcome with, I don't really feel blessed, although I know I am. But there's something missing. And I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure. I feel like there's things undone in my life. How is Esau going to respond? I can't seem to let that go. There's a tension in my life. I don't know if you can relate with me. There's a tension. If you were to ask Jacob if he was blessed, he would say, yes, I'm, I'm blessed. I am blessed beyond belief. I am an overcomer. Yes, I'm blessed, but I got some stuff still undone. I am blessed, but. Colossians 1.13 says this, I have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and I have been transferred in the kingdom of his light. I think that this verse beautifully outlines the fact that we have been blessed and that we are overcomers. God, I get it. I am a new person in Christ. I have been transferred from that darkness that I, that I used to live in. Come on, tell your neighbor and say, I've been transferred. I don't live there anymore. Come on, tell your neighbor, that's not who I am anymore. And then tell your other neighbor, but. But. Sometimes I do live there. And what do I do with that tension? 
See, for many of us, this struggle serves as proof that I'm not really an overcomer because overcomers don't struggle anymore. I wonder if anybody can relate with this sermon today. Overcomers don't still struggle, do they, Adam? Adam doesn't struggle, ever. Are you an overcomer? Do you still struggle? Well, then I don't know if you're an overcomer. I don't know. We say Jacob in this wrestling match, I feel blessed. I am blessed. I know God is for me. He has done so much in my life in the last 20 years. I can lay it out for you. And yet not only am I, do I lay awake at bed at night worrying and concerned and striving and still trying to work all the scenarios out in my mind of what's going to happen when I meet Esau. But there's something of an identity piece still that's, un- that's broken in my life because I see all the blessings, but I don't know if I'm blessed. Because how many know that what you have doesn't necessarily equate to blessing? Just because God's given you a lot and done a lot in your life doesn't mean that when you go home and you look at yourself in the mirror, you see blessed, highly favored, Free, forgiven, righteous, overcomer. Do you see those things? Well, I promise if you do see those things, it's not because you have a nice car in the driveway. Oh, we preaching today. So we wrestle. Being an overcomer isn't the absence of struggle. It's the presence of Jesus. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And what I, what I, what I see in this passage that, that strikes me is that Jacob was alone and he wrestled at night. So not only no one, not only no one else could see what he was navigating. And that's where I'm getting at today is that the things that we struggle with that, that are real struggles in life, most of them no one else can see. But the other observation is it was at night, which means he couldn't even see it. You ever struggling with something and you can't even articulate what it is? It's so deep. I'll tell you what I was mentioning to the church council in our meeting yesterday. I have been in one of those deep places in the last two months. And it started at Christmas break and I was frustrated because at Christmas break, man, you should be like on cloud nine and you know, God has been doing awesome things in our church. And like, I was just carrying something and it was deep and it was a burden. It was heavy in my heart and I didn't know what it was. And so I just carried it and no one could see it. I couldn't articulate it. Heather felt it because she had to live with me. But there was just something going on. And see, sometimes the burden that we carry and the reason why we don't feel like an overcomer is because God's stirring something in you as an overcomer. He's taking you to another place and it requires a bit of death of something. 
and a reorientation of some things that don't always feel like I'm overcoming. No, today I feel buried. And sometimes that's the Lord, but sometimes you are struggling with something that's from the enemy. We don't look for a devil, a devil under every rock in this church, but there is a devil and he is prowling. And sometimes the attack against you and the reason why you feel the way you feel is an attack from the enemy. And sometimes the struggle and the tension is our flesh. The places that I still struggle, the old man that pops his head up. And I wish I could say today, church, as a pastor, that I don't still struggle with the flesh because I'm a new creation. But I'd be lying because there's not a person on the planet that doesn't every day have to wake up and go, flesh, you don't get to lead today. You don't get the final word today, but it's a fight. And sometimes that's the tension. Is there anybody in here that can relate with at least one of those three areas? Today, it's the flesh. Tomorrow, it's the devil. And the next day, it's the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you what it is all the time? An opportunity to encounter the living God. I listen, I, I, can, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, and many of you will, will affirm this with, with me. Not only is a struggle, not, not only is the struggle identifying that you're not an overcomer, it's, it's oftentimes proof that God is developing you to be an overcomer, to be strong on the inside. I love this passage. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Come on, he's making you. And what I wrote in my notes is, don't you dare bow to the voice of condemnation. Because some of the, the reality is, some of the struggle we face is our boneheaded moves. I wasn't great this week. I had a bad month. My mind wasn't where I was, where I was supposed to be. My relationships, the way I've been talking to somebody. You fill in the blank. If somebody actually knew what I was dealing with, they'd be like, bro, you ain't an overcomer. Who are you kidding? And so this is where we struggle. And what I need you to know is Jesus overcame already. So you don't earn your way into that title. You are an overcomer because he ever overcame. Overcomer is an identity. It's not an action. And when your identity lines up, and when you step into that, then certainly your actions will begin to follow, right? You'll begin to think differently and respond differently and speak differently. But that doesn't make you an overcomer. You're an overcomer because of Jesus and because of who he is. But the problem is, when you struggle, when you bow to condemnation, then you circle the drain. And all of a sudden, you're weaker in the eyes of yourself than you are in the Lord. And God's pulling you up because you are an overcomer. You know, Paul struggled. We read that scripture. A scripture that says that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. His grace is sufficient for you. Where did that verse come from? That verse came from Paul. Paul was struggling. 
Paul was like, man, I have a thorn in the flesh. What was that thorn? I don't know. Use your imagination. He asked the Lord three times and he has a whole chapter to describe it. This was how big of a burden this was for Paul. He's like, Paul, he's like, God, I, I want to serve you. I don't want this tension. I'm an overcomer. I wrote the book on overcoming. I can't still struggle. Seriously? And he went to God three times and he said, take this from me so that I can be the guy that everyone thinks I am. So I can be the gal that everybody thinks I am because I come to church and I got my Bible and maybe I'm even a leader. And then I go home and I still struggle. So take it from me, Lord. And you know what God's response was? Well, sure, I'll take it because overcomers don't struggle. Not what he said. You know what he said? My words, your struggle is an opportunity for an encounter with the Lord because it keeps you on your knees. It keeps you needing Jesus. Now, I'm not making an excuse for us to make boneheaded moves. But what I am saying is in our humanity, in the depths of the things, when we're carrying things and we, we got stuff going on, it should drive us to our knees and say, God, I need you. Come and fill me again. Come and remind me of who I am and who you are, that there is power inside of me. And it's not power to be Jesus on the cross. He already did that and accomplished it for you. So come on, let's start living out the fullness of what he established on the cross. We are overcomers because he is. And he did. And so God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. And so I'm strong in those places when you're weak, when you bring it to me and say, God, I need you. Would you come fill me? And he says, yes. Next thing is this, being an overcomer is less about commitment and more about surrender. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I mentioned that that Jacob is struggling in two significant areas and they're very relevant for us because the two areas that he struggled with represents two categories that we struggle with. We struggle with practical things, temptations, sin, dynamics in your life, wanting control, anxiety and fear, relationships, you name it and fill in the blank, practical things that you struggle with Despite being an overcomer, despite being blessed, I still struggle. But the other category is your identity. You look at all the reasons why you should feel like God is on your side. Like you are who he says you are. You are secure and forgiven and whole and powerful. And you list all the reasons why he's been good. And then you say, but I don't always believe it. Just like Jacob went to God and he said, not only am I afraid for my life of what's going to happen to Esau, but I don't actually already feel blessed. And so I'm going to wrestle until you bless me. And I'm not going to let go 
And it's interesting, we see this, this behavior that we can all relate with in Jacob in its control. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to commit. I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to make my life work. And God, I need you to bless me. And we take control. And Jacob, we've seen that in his entire life. In fact, Jacob, his name means heel grabber. Because when Jacob was born, he and Esau were brothers. And when when they were born, they were twins. And the Bible says that when they were coming out of the chute, Jacob, I don't know how you think of this when you're, you know, a newborn, but Jacob literally reached out, so the Bible says, and grabbed Esau's heel coming out of the chute to try to get to be first because the newborn, because being first matters back then. You get the blessing. And so literally they saw his hand reach out to grab Esau's heel, trying to pull him back to get out first. So they named him heel grabber. You can't make this stuff up. So then you know the story. Jacob was the good looking one. He was the favorable one. He was a mama's boy. He was probably the quarterback and the, you know, the, the homecoming king. And Esau was the good old boy, you know, that hunted and fished. And Jacob was the second born, Esau was the first born. And in those days, that was a humongous deal because it represented the blessing of the family and the finances, the first born. And so at the end, you know the story, Jacob and Esau, it was time for their father, Isaac. Isaac is Abraham's son. Remember, Abraham and Isaac went up on the mountain and Abraham was gonna kill his son. And God says, no, I'm gonna provide, right? And Isaac becomes the seed that God promised. Well, Isaac had two sons, Abraham, uh, Jacob and Esau. So Isaac is ready in his old age to bless the firstborn. And this blessing is the blessing of Abraham. So it's huge. I will give you the, so many descendants, it's the stars of the sky. He says, I'm going to bless you. So he says, bring in Esau. Well, Isaac's blind. He can't see. And so he's trusting in his sons and he's trusting in his wife to bring in Esau and lay his hands on the firstborn and give him the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know where I'm going with this. So Jacob, heel grabber. He's like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to put hair on my arms. I'm going to, I'm going to give myself some Esau perfume. He had a, he had a perfume line, a uh, 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 cologne line. He, he put some, you know, scent on himself to smell like Esau, right? And he came in and he gave his arm to his dad, Isaac. And he said, and, and, and his father says, you know, who are you? And so he's deceiving his dad. He's, he's making it happen even there. And we know the story. He got blessed and he went on down the road. And so here we are. And Jacob is doing the same thing with this angel that he did coming out of the chute. I'm going to reach and I'm going to grab hold of my future and I'm going to make it happen. And so here he is wrestling with the angel and he says to the angel, because the angel's like, let go so I can bless you. We, like, we've been doing this all night. Let's, enough is enough. Like, you need to stop 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to stop. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's time to let go. So the angel's like, Jacob, you got you to gotta release it. You got to stop this. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Just like I told Isaac, my dad made it happen. Heel grabber. I'm going to reach out into my future and grab this thing. And some of you, that's how you've been working this whole series. I'm an overcomer. I'm going to make it happen. It's called a heel grabber overcomer. You don't want to be that person. And yet, and yet, sometimes that's our response to this tension that we feel inside of us. And I love what happens next. Genesis chapter 32. Then the man asked him, what is your name? In the middle of the wrestle, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of you and me trying to make it happen, the angel says to Jacob, what is your name? And we, in that moment, we rewind to the moment that he stood before his dad and his dad said, who are you? He said, well, I'm, well, I'm Esau. I'm Esau. Feel that. I'm Esau. Because Esau's the blessable one. That's who I am. Yeah, I'm an overcomer. So I put on my Sunday best and I say all the right things and I do my devotions. And I got a laundry list of things that I have done to be that overcomer that my pastor says I should be. What's your name, overcomer? It's who I am. And in this tender, sweet moment, God brings Jacob to the breaking point. It took all night, by the way, because Jacob's really stubborn. And he wrestled with him all night to finally get Jacob to the point of being willing to answer that question correctly. What's your name? And Jacob said, I'm done hiding. My name's Jacob. Heel grabber. Liar and deceiver. Cheat. You know what, God? It's your boy, Jacob. I surrender. See, being an overcomer is a lot less about being a committed heel grabber and a lot more about being a surrendered Jacob. Here I am, Lord. It's me. And I know that I'm not always the person that I should be or the people that, the person that people expect me to be. But today, I'm done pretending. 
It's me. And I love this moment because the Bible says that there, God blessed him in the place of his real name. And God said, you're no longer Jacob, the heel grabber. I'm going to change your name to Israel. By the way, that's how we got the name Israel, this profound moment where Jacob finally said, I'm done trying to be somebody. I'm going to be me. And God says, your name's Israel. And through you, now, I'm ready to bless the nation. God blessed him there. Why? Because his grace is sufficient for you. It's time to accept who you are by faith in the finished work of Jesus. I'm going to invite Adam to come up and we're going to close, kind of land the plane here. I believe that there is a powerful tension happening in each of us that is developing in, in you who God's created you to be. And it's breaking through the barriers that you can't break through on your own. You're carrying a seed of greatness on the inside. And God has to peel back the layers and say, this greatness isn't about you and your commitment and your goodness. This is about me. This is about a work of my cross. This is about a work of my grace inside of you. This is about me pulling back the, the layers of you not feeling worthy, you not feeling good enough, you condemning yourself from your past, and me breaking through all of that and saying, you gotta let go. You gotta let go of who you think you should be so God can show you who you are. It's time to let go. What is it that you're letting go of? What is it that has been, what do you lie awake at night thinking about? What are the worries and anxieties that are in your life? What are the relationships that you're bound up with? What are the discouragements and the doubts about yourself? What are those things? And God's saying, you do realize that I'm in control, that I'm the one that moves these things forward. And I know you've gotten somewhere with heel grabbing. I know you've done some things and you think you can just keep doing that. But I'm telling you that the next level, the new wine that Philip was talking about during worship, this new breeze of the spirit that's coming to you, it's not going to come by you heel grabbing anymore. It's going to come by you letting go. Here I am, Lord. It's me. I love how this story ended. I mentioned uh, when I was 19 and I was stupid enough to try to cut down that tree and uh, went up to the house and I was so worried. And I, I, I legitimately, I mean, it's a funny story, but at the moment I was terrified and I remember going to bed and uh, I mean, I don't think I slept a wink with just the idea of like a misdemeanor. I'm in Bible college. I'm going to be a pastor. And... Um, yeah, I just remember lying in bed and the Lord saying like, it's okay. I got it. 
Give it to me. Give it to me. And I remember the next morning I woke up and I was staying at the night at this, this guy's house that I was working with. And that's where I stayed in the summer. And I got up and walked out on the deck and there had been a storm in the middle of the night. And the, the, the dad, he came over and put his arm around me, had a cup of coffee and we were looking out on the deck and the tree had fallen down in the middle of the night. And that morning the ranger had come by the house while I was still asleep and told the dad that they're dropping the charges because the tree fell. I love how, I love how God, he moves on our behalf. But most of the time he does it through surrender. Look how this story ended with Esau. Genesis chapter 33. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and empowered him, embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck kissed him and they wept. This, this thing that Jacob had been carried for 20 years, how is my brother going to respond? What's going to happen? 20 years he worried about this. 20 years he, he, he was terrified about what's my brother going to do? How is this all going to work out? And in that moment, God said, I got it. Esau ran to his brother, gave him a hug. And then I love how it says it at the end. I think it's verse eight. Did I put that slide up, Genesis 33, eight? Yeah, it says Esau asked, what's the meaning of all the flocks and the herds? Like what's, all, what's the deal with the camels? What are we doing with the camels? He says, to find favor in your eyes, Lord. My Lord, but Esau said, I, I already have plenty, brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Can you imagine this moment? Come here. Joe Pineda, everybody. Can you imagine this moment? Jacob, he's been worrying about this his whole life. And Esau says, I've already let it go, man. I've already been blessed. You can let it go too. You can let it go. And so God says, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Come on, let it go. It's time to let it go. D does this story, does it, does it remind us of anything? Esau ran to find Jacob. And Jacob's worried. And he's got his speech. Listen, I'm trying to find favor in your sight. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this right. And I've got all of this stuff that I'm doing to, to figure this out. Does this story ring true for anybody? Well, we know it's the lost prodigal. And his father runs to him and says, I've already paid the debt. Let it go. You're not a servant and you're not a slave. So let it go. Let it go. What burden are you carrying? Let it go. God's called you to be an overcomer, but it's not through overcoming. It's through surrender. Come on, let it go.
Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe the Holy Spirit is sweeping throughout this place and he is reminding each of you who you are and whose you are. Because you are sealed in him, seated in heavenly places. You are a son and daughter of the most high God. You are fully loved and fully accepted. And in that place, in the midst of the struggle, God says, let it go. Come on, wherever you're at right now, no one looking around, I just want you to breathe out whatever you need to let go. I just need you to breathe it out. God, I'm letting it go. Come on, just exhale that thing. Exhale that thing you've been carrying, that expectation of what everybody thinks you should be. The guilt and the shame of your past. The ways that you don't feel like you measure up. Come on, let it go. And then come on, let's inhale. God's goodness, his forgiveness, his sufficiency. He is enough today. And he runs towards you and he runs to me. And he says, um, Jacob, I know your intentions are right here, but I don't need all that stuff. Because all this time, when you've been standing at a distance and worried and not coming to me because you don't feel worthy all this time, I didn't want any of that. I wanted you. Because I love you. And I've already paid for it. So you can let it go. And so, Father God, it's in this place that we stand in your presence, receiving your voice as a father that confirms who we are. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today's going to be a good day. I hope that um, many of you can join us at the New Visitor Lunch. It will be a sweet fellowship. But um, in the meantime, we're not in a hurry today. We'd love to foster an environment in this room of fellowship and prayer. If you'd like uh, us to partner with you in that, we'd love to do that. Um, for the rest of us, uh, God bless you. May his face shine on you this week. May you be reminded every day when you wake up and have that image of your father running to you because he's so excited to tell you the debt's been canceled. God bless you. Have an awesome week.